Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy, co-founder of KidsViews.com. I'm here in the studio with... Amy Austin, SelfishMom.com. In the new studio. In our brand new studio. It's shiny. It's shiny. That was Andrea (laughs) Smith commenting that it's shiny. She's here in the studio with us today, too. And we are going to put up a little video clip of our brand new studio. It really is beautiful. Um, I dig it. I dig the new microphone stands. I like there's like art on the wall, which is hilarious and like retro. It's like all boom boxes, and <laughs> cassette tapes, and knobs. There's lots of like no- virtual <laughs> knobs. knobs. I like and a giant yeah. clothespin. We'll definitely do a little video or take a picture to show you the new digs. Yep. <laughs> so today on the show we are talking about YouTube and moms. Um, not dads. There was nothing about dads. No one cares about dads yet again. Um, YouTube and moms because. Personally, I just think YouTube's trying to figure out how moms are using YouTube because they want advertisers uh, to Mm. be more advertising on YouTube and finding it as a mom-friendly platform. But they did a really interesting study, and we're going to talk about that. And then topic two is whether or not you can bill your children when they are grown to get back all the money you spent on them raising them <laughs> based on a Freakonomics podcast that came out last week, uh, which is really interesting. And as my children approach their later years, I, f- I find it more and more reasonable, actually. Their later years. <laughs> their later teen years when they really start racking up the bills. Um, so let's jump right in with topic one, which is this new YouTube study about YouTube and moms. Um, and part of it was that they were talking about how moms make decisions online and how they search online. So do you guys use YouTube to uh, look at stuff online? I, I use YouTube more to broadcast stuff. And th- it's funny because... You mean to put up your own Yeah, videos. I put up a lot of my own videos, and yet I don't watch many. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can't say that I watch a lot, but, you know, let me take a step back for a second. You know, again, when I was a parent early on, we didn't have the internet. I couldn't look up, why is the sky blue? You know, I look up these questions for my son or show him something. So when I read this article, it was really very much, wow, that would be amazing as a parent, you know, especially not a crafty kind of person to say, how do I make a Halloween costumer? You know, show me step by step how to make this Thomas the Tank engine cake, which I think a lot of moms are doing. They're looking up how do I do this? Show me this step by step. And I think it would be amazing to have that as a resource, but I can't personally say that I do it. So 81% of the moms who they surveyed, and I should say this was a very carefully selected group of moms who already watch videos online. So they weren't just asking moms in general. They had the self-selected group of moms who watched videos ages 18 to 54. They 81% watch how-to content. That is what they're looking for. They're looking at how-to content. It could be cooking it could be crafting. Um, we actually met last weekend. Were we there last weekend? Two weekends ago um, when we were at the Type A conference. Two weekends. We yeah. met the man, the dad behind cute girl hairstyles, mm-hmm. um, which has 24 million subscribers. That's crazy. Um, because it's how to. It's how to make cute girl hairstyles. And I only learned of that channel when my daughters were about... 10, so maybe three years ago, nine, of course, came to me. Can you make this? I want my hair to look like this. It was some like <laughs> braid slash woven thing with, and I was like, no, 
I don't care how many times I watch that YouTube video. I'm never <laughs> going to be able to make that. And it's just not in my DNA. Um, but it was really interesting that more of them said 69% go to YouTube first when they are looking to learn about a product or service as well. So I guess if you want to see a demo, and Amy, you can speak to this because you talk about your most popular videos are tech demo tech videos. demos tech reviews yeah and and coincidentally that's one of the things if if i am watching videos that's what i'm watching if i want to check out a product i go to youtube and i and i look at a video and the other thing that i use youtube for is often if i'm like cooking or baking and there's some kind of really specific intricate thing that i want to do that just can't be explained in the recipe then i'll look at that but yeah tech stuff it's crazy like i can put up all the stuff i want about parenting and yada 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 it's the tech demonstrations that get tens of thousands of hits. And I think that's because tech is so confusing mm-hmm. and people, like, even for me, and I'm pretty tech savvy, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to you or to Google to say, how do I pair this particular product? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I put it into pairing mode? And nine times out of ten, I'm going to find a YouTube video of somebody showing me how to do it. And do you and go to that? And that's what like, I'd rather watch. Yeah, ah. because rather than read through mm-hmm. step this, step two, step three, if you have an Android, it's just boom. It's a two-minute video. And I can see why women would love to go to these two, three-minute short videos. Here's how you do it. See, I'd rather read it. I only go to the videos if it's really something that I need to see. Hmm. That's interesting because we know that that's how kids are using YouTube, right? Kids are, the vast majority are watching how-to, particularly gaming. So they're looking for cheats, they're looking to yep. how get past certain levels, or they're just watching people play video games. It's a whole other Which sport Which is a whole now. other conversation. Um, <laughs> and so I feel like moms and kids are actually using YouTube very similarly. I mean, there are YouTube stars that kids watch who are doing silly, goofy things, but a lot of kids are... I mean, that's why those science channels are so mm-hmm. popular on YouTube. They watch these amazing science experiments that like their teachers aren't doing, yeah. that they're never right. able to do, um, and they can see it. So with Halloween next week... <laughs> Wow. I would bet that you... T- we talked about Pinterest and having this horrible Pinterest in- envy <laughs> for yeah, Halloween. Yeah. But YouTube, instead of having that envy, you could actually go on and figure out, just like you said, that Thomas the Tank Engine. I saw a skee-ball costume today oh. on TV. A kid was dressed like a giant ski-ball. Wow. God. And I could not figure out where he... S- looked like how he saw out of the thing but we were talking about like everyone would just chuck the candy in the the holes (laughs) and you pop out his eyeballs (laughs) it's funny because um i'm about to put up sometime later this week i'm putting up a tutorial that i actually wrote last year and then didn't end up posting it because there was all sorts of nasty stuff going on in the real world um but a tutorial on how to put your kids heads in jars for halloween and uh, it's it's all it's all pictures and I would love to put up a video, but it's so much more work to what? do a video. So that's what people don't realize, too, is those videos that are really well done, they have shot it over and mm, yeah. over and yeah. over again from different angles. And they have angles. equipment that helps them and tripods and mics. And the editing takes forever. Editing takes forever. When you look at a really good cooking video, they've shot it overhead. They've shot yep. it from the sides. They're that's editing. what I do. It's professional. It is not someone just standing there with their iPhone and, like, you know, with a little thing going, yeah. here's my eggs and here's my yeah. whatever. No, there are lots of those, but they're unwatchable. They're unwatchable and I think moms when they're looking on YouTube, 
they're also looking for that. They're looking for real quality, and that is why those videos tend to float to the top. Mm-hmm. I have to say, even for some gardening stuff, you know, if I'm looking up when do I prune this particular uh, breed of hydrangea, it's nice, you know, and I do prefer to read that, but it's nice to see someone in a video showing me the leaf, showing me cut above here, don't cut below here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just moms. My husband, who is very handy, like built my entire house huh. uh, practically, he, we, we just put in replacement windows, which he's done a gazillion times. But I found him down on YouTube watching a little refresher, you know, from the window company on, you know, you know, if you can't get it in just right, you know, here's what you do. <laughs> and for him, YouTube has been a complete godsend because it's that one little last step that he doesn't know that he can always find someone who shot mm-hmm. a video on it. It's so amazing, really, that you have all that at your fingertips yeah. and if you're willing to watch. It, the real amazing thing is that I never told my daughter to go to YouTube to find out how to do things and she would just come to me with like what were those little bracelets that everybody was doing a couple of years the ago rainbow with the little, yeah rainbow loom like she came to me with this incredibly intricate rainbow loom bracelet and I said how did you do that and she said I found a video on YouTube it's like, oh, yeah, well, that's okay. all kids do, right. right? It's YouTube is the number two search engine, but I think it's number one for kids. Wow. Um, so it is really interesting because you have an entire generation that's not going to Google.com to mm-hmm. search. They're going to YouTube to search first because they only want to see a video. And I think more and more younger moms, millennial moms, are doing the same mm-hmm. thing. They're searching YouTube first because it's, you know, one of the things that was interesting is they were talking about that moms aren't, when they look for fashion, they're not looking for this brand plaid skirt. They're looking for plaid skirt. Mm-hmm. And then right. they're looking for fashion haul videos and ideas. Mm, so right. they're looking with this general idea. They're not brand loyal. So it would be one thing if you have your product, like your iPhone, and you're like, how do I set privacy settings? And now right. you're looking for that. But if you're like, you know, great mobile phone for kids, you know, whatever you're searching for, you're going to look that first. Mm-hmm. And then. Right. It's not videos. brand specific. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a great opportunity for brands, actually, to, to get in there and, and do their own videos and, and really make their brand more prominent and helpful in that way. Yeah, I actually remember, I can't remember, we had a client once, I think it wasn't Betty Crocker, maybe it was Duncan Hines. Um, they own the, like, how to frost a chocolate cake. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a one spiff, there's, like, a chocolate cake that if you Google it, if you YouTube it, like, it's them, and they've been embedded in so many other blogs. So that's what's interesting about YouTube is you can embed other people's content. Yeah. So you could say, I'm doing a how-to, and be like, I don't need to shoot my own video. I'm just going <laughs> to embed this person's video that's in my post. Weird. It's kind of weird, but that's what BuzzFeed does, right? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. what all those sites do. It's what HuffPo does. It's what. But, so I think moms are used to that. Like, it kind of speaks to how not brand loyal people are, even when they're reading or creating content. But what I think is really interesting, too, is moms aren't watching moms on YouTube. Hmm. They're watching whomever has built that best video, whoever shot that best video, that how-to video. They're not like, I want to hear from another mom um, about this. And it's interesting, this YouTube report really focuses on consumption and not creation. And I think moms have had a very hard time creating mm-hmm. on YouTube. Nobody wants to watch just like mom personalities. Right. They right. want, because again, they're searching for something very specific and how to. And that's weird. That's an interesting, that's a difference, I think. Because yeah. I think it's different than like your typical um, morning TV 
or you know later to you know Oprah like all yeah. that TV that used to dominate daytime TV that now no one's home to watch anymore well, <laughs> I, I really made a push for a year or two to make money from sponsored videos and the money just wasn't there you know people are not hiring moms to make videos in in a big way right so yeah not so, good news for me moms I guess you keep consuming yeah. but I want to hear from people how they use YouTube I'm always interested yeah. because like I, what do you search for what do you watch right and are you watching yeah. like, are you stumbling upon something or are you regularly watching YouTube or even are you aware that it's available that you can go on YouTube and find these how-to DIY right. type videos Right, and how old are you if you do? Yeah. That's what I want to know. <laughs> the difference. All right, that is it for topic one. <laughs> okay. We're all going to go on YouTube. You can go on YouTube and learn how to start a podcast. I want to do like a, how do I decorate my house for Halloween? I mean, that would be good. Oh my God, you know? are you kidding? I'm sure there's tons of things. Yeah, there's yeah. one with a light show guy. They just, I have this, that video that's been going viral, the guy who created like a moving light show of his house and oh the house God. turns into a jack-o'-lantern. Oh, wow. Turns, yeah, he like basically said screw Christmas I'm gonna own the Halloween <laughs> light show and now we'll have no competition so that's what we're doing um, so today um, we are talking about LD products which um, we've now talked about for a couple weeks and I think I've told everyone that I know that they need to go buy their ink from LD products because I'm obsessed with the fact <laughs> that it's so much less expensive so again, are you spending more than you need to on ink and toner? And I know the answer is yes. I don't even know why we're asking the question. You don't go to car dealerships to buy gas, so why go to printer manufacturers to buy ink and toner? Plus, did you know that's how that's how they make all their money, the printer mm-hmm. manufacturers? They don't make it on the printer. They basically give you the printer for this freaky, awesome price that looks unreal, and then you're stuck buying the ink forever. So ldproducts.com are the ink and toner experts. They offer a quality alternative at a fraction of the cost. You can save up to 70% off expensive name brands. They've been in business for 16 years and they ship more than 6 million cartridges a year. So this is not some fly-by-night weirdo company. They know what they're doing. They have US-based customer service and the, the super crazy platinum lead green building. There's an unprecedented lifetime customer satisfaction guarantee on all LD brand cartridges. So it's like their, I say it's like the Costco Kirkland brand, yeah. right? It's basically what it is. The president's choice. Yes, exactly. Um, you can return a product for any reason, which I also love. So a special offer for our Parenting Bites listeners. Get free shipping and an additional 10% off ink and toner at ldproducts.com. Use promo code parenting at checkout again that is l d like david products.com the offer is valid through december 31st 2015 excludes oem which we still have no idea what that means but we're telling you that third party (laughs) (laughs) Uh, free shipping to the contiguous u.s which means sorry alaska and hawaii our listeners there. I, I don't feel sorry for the people in Hawaii. <laughs> but at what about all. Alaska? No, I feel they pay so much for everything in Alaska. Yeah, that's true. But then they get a check from the government, so it's kind and of they a, get wash. a giant check. From yeah. All right, Alaska listeners, tell us what you think. Well, sorry, you can't get ink <laughs> cheap. You can't get ink cheap, but basically, we're all supporting you anyway. No ink for you. <laughs> um, yeah, in Hawaii, like seriously, you don't yeah. need. You shouldn't be at your computer anyway. Printing. <laughs> So check out ldproducts.com and again use code parenting so they know that you listened to us and then you followed our direction and like you know and got your discount and got your discount because I, I like to hear that everyone got, I love the people we heard from that got their discount yeah. oh the yeah people were excited by it it was cool 
because ink is expensive, especially with two teenagers, which is now what we're going to talk about. <laughs> uh, my daughters print everything, and I, I just it makes me crazy. My husband prints everything. Yeah, every email. Oh, my every everything. everything. Yeah, like really? Because you could just Google search wow. it. Wow. My daughters have to print everything. Like they just have to. They just do so many papers. Even when they submit them on Google Docs, they have to have a printed version. Wow. And now they're applying to high school, so we had to have like seven copies of the report card and bazillions of copies of essays, whatever. Printing, printing, printing is all we do. <laughs> so anyway, speaking of which, I'm going to add that to my daughter's tab. <laughs> So a couple weeks ago on the Freakonomics podcast, you know, we're always talking about how we're always recommending other podcasts, but that's life. We are podcast people. Um, the Freakonomics podcast, which was based on the original, there was a column in the New York Times Magazine, which became a book. Which I read on my honeymoon cruise. Wow. The so book? That's, that's the a book. long time ago now. Wow. Yeah, that's how long it is. That book changed everything, right? Yeah. That book changed yeah. how everybody looked at economics. Um, and they have a weekly podcast, if you don't know. And it's so it's awesome. great. It is great. So this episode was the October 7th episode was basically, do you give your kids a bill when they grow up? Or do your, what do your kids owe you when they get older and you get older? Um, you know, in some societies, it is absolutely taken for granted that the young take care of the old, right? And in our, in the U.S., that's just not how it is. It's people, you know, you we have nursing homes, we have Social Security, we have, it's sort of a different, I don't, there's not a familial, you don't see a lot of people living in multi-generational homes anymore. No, when right, I grew up right. in Brooklyn, culturally, I can't tell you, I mean, half my block, which was Irish and Italian, the grandparents the lived in the brownstones. Well, they were brownstones, they were two floor. family brownstones, yeah. yeah, we had one. And and I thought it was like the greatest thing ever because that was my Free dream was to live with my grandmother. <laughs> yeah, well, it was just how you lived. You just lived with with your family, um, and that has all sort of broken down, obviously. But this is a little different. This is the podcast starts out with a football player. Yeah, well, you should tell the story of, of yeah. how that happened. So his mother, when he was drafted, mm -hmm. basically said, now you owe me a million dollars because I raised you and I got you here and a million dollars is what I calculated over the 18 years, which actually her calculation was totally off, but it yeah. got to the point, it was like, came out to like $55,555 yeah. a year. Um, which is, I think, four times as much as they say the average right, they kid say costs takes. a quarter million dollars to raise a child. Um, $250,000, and that's not including college, right? Because that is college. But, and he didn't go to college. <laughs> he, he, didn't, he went on a scholarship. He, he went on a scholarship. Right. Yeah. So she didn't pay for college. She didn't pay for private school. So I don't know right. where she's getting her And he left home at 17. Right. I think she actually just wanted the million bucks. Right. Yeah. I think it was like a random number. Like, okay, you well, did great. I want a million good. dollars, you right. know. But he had already, and you hear this in sports stars all the yeah. time, right? They get money. And the first thing they do is they buy their mom a house, you know? I mean, and it's a lovely gesture. It's a sweet gesture. Um, and this guy did that. He bought and his car, mother a house and a $40,000 car. And a lot of cash. Like, he was yeah. sending and he her $10,000 yeah. yeah, a, a month. A month. A month. So, I was mean, it a month or a week? It was a month? A month. Okay. A month. And it's like, okay, mom, you know, he did that. So to now come back and say, I want a million dollars. Well, she said, is that, kind she of, said that first. 
She said that before he had bought her anything. Uh, but it was I'm not in sure. No, I he think bought it that was for her on her line on his line on his of line credit. of credit. Yeah, right. Before he got the signing bonus, when he got the signing bonus from the draft sh- that day, the day of the NFL yeah. draft, she said, "Now you owe me a when million she, when dollars." When he got the twelve million dollar five yeah. five year yeah. contract. Oh, I didn't realize that it was after. I thought yeah. that he just did that instead. Yeah. No. But you hear, I mean, you hear like, no, you all know, I know you, you all know how I'm such a huge fan of The Voice, right? The one TV show I watch. <laughs> and every one of those artists gets up there and says, my mama raised me. She was a single mother. She was so, you know, awesome. And I want to do this so that I can get money and buy her a house or so that I can take care of her. And I feel like in today's society, it's more about gratitude. It's more about giving back. It's more about, you were so awesome to me, I want to take care of you. I don't know that there should be a business contract. Like, and, and you made it, so now I owe you this money. You know, you owe me money. I, well, actually, well, what I think is weird is why would you want it that way? Yeah. Right. Because that that's that's the whole problem of making this into um, your children owing you is that it disincentivizes you to raise children who are caring and compassionate and empathetic and who want to do these things for you. But there was so there was a really interesting. They interviewed this professor who studies stuff, and she talked about how children were a labor. For it. Like when you had multiple children, they worked. They worked in your home. They worked outside the home. They contributed. And it wasn't until the 1920s where this started to turn. She said it was such a great term. She said they came, the children went from being useless to priceless. <laughs> <laughs> so there was this idea that children were useless and taking up space. And if they couldn't contribute to your home, right. then it was like, out. Yeah, yeah. Goodbye. Get yeah. a job. Right. There but was, you read all these child books labor in that time started. period of, you know, Charles Gr- Dickens. Young girls. <laughs> well, young girls who were home, you know, like in the Lower East Side, where they went to work at 12, 13, oh, my 14. my grandmother did. And were supporting, you know, their income was helping support the rent. You handed and it right br- over. You handed it right over. And you didn't leave that household until you got married. Right. Um, and even like, and boys you know, the orphan roots. train, you know, that whole idea of bringing these orphans out to the Midwest. People didn't want kids to love them. They wanted kids to do the farm work and to do the labor. Well, she said, it was so yeah. interesting. She said foster children, it was older children that got adopted yep. into foster homes because they, they could work. And nobody wanted babies. And then in the 1920s, it shifted where all of a sudden everybody wanted a baby, particularly a blonde, blue-eyed right, baby. Right, right. Um, because all of a sudden, no one expected children to work. And it was you more know, for emotional it reasons. It was emotional. You wanted this baby. So who would want an older kid? You know, right. What was going wrong with them or what they were coming with? So it, it is amazing that it's really just 100 years. Yeah. That we've completely changed our view of what kids do. And we've talked about chores before. And those ideas that, like... We've gone so much the other way, where our expectations of children helping at all in the family have, like, vanished, where people have to now think about, like, is it a chore? Should my kid have to do so much homework to right. do? They should can't I pay help them with the to dishes. do this? Right. Should right. I pay them? It's right. just an expectation. Why should they get in a lot? Like, this whole idea of allowance, right? It used to be the reverse. Your kid yeah. had to, like, go out. Get, helping in the house was taken for granted. But, like, you know, you get a paper route. You get a... You babysat. Mm-hmm. like you, you have your own spending right. money. Or you yeah. worked. Like my dad and his I, siblings all worked in my grandfather's shoe store. I mean, they worked. Yeah. My husband was raised on a farm. I mean, he, you know, he fed the cows. You know, he put out bales of hay. He worked. I mean, he literally came kids home on from school and worked. Work. Yeah. I have to just tell you this this little aside because it was so funny. So my hus- my uh, son is living back home with us, as you guys know, and he's 25 and he's, he's great. 
but sometimes he forgets the little chores that I ask him to do. Like, can you carry the 40-pound box of cat litter to the basement, <laughs> please, please? Please tell me you didn't do, like, a star sticker chore chart for your 25-year-old. <laughs> well, what I started to do really was the positive reinforcement, right? So when he finally got around to doing what I had asked him to do, it was this big, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And then yesterday he did this, you know, took out all the trash with my husband and my husband said, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And he came home from work last night, plopped himself down on the couch next to me and said, you know what? Could you please stop thanking me right, when I help you around the house? Because, like, I'm supposed to do this. And it's I'm okay. Not too. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so, honey, sorry. But I, I, feel, I said to him, you know, I'm really thanking you because you did it, because my expectations at this point are minimal. <laughs> you know, and I'm just so happy. But you're right. You're a part of this family. You yeah. have to uphold your end of the bargain. And he right. said, I am. And if I forget, Remind me. You know, I got a lot going on, right. right? We all have a lot going on. But for God's sake, stop thanking me. And I think that that's so relevant to this because we really look at our kids as you're so busy and you've got your college applications, your high school applications, your homework and your after school stuff. And, you know, you don't have to do this. And kids are a part of the family and they should do stuff. Well, they should do stuff. I mean, last night I had to go to a work event and I was going to make money from being there. And so I paid my son to pick his sister up at dance class. Like, it, it never occurred to me to just make him take, you know, two hours out of his day to, like, you know, they, they, uh-huh. he walked there, he picked her up, I left the money to go out to dinner, and then they came home. And, like, that's his entire evening. Like, by the time they got home, it was, it was time, for, time to go and to And you felt so like he needed to be paid for I, that. I felt like, I, like you know, I, I didn't even ask Chris. I just said, I'll give you 20 bucks if you do this. And he talked me up to 25. <laughs> um, and I was happy to pay it because otherwise I would have to pay an outside person right. to do it. And I'd rather pay him. Right. It's just easier. But the truth is, if you had had four kids, you never would have paid him. Like, yeah. the, old, the oldest right. just The did. oldest one just that, does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even, like, up until the 20s and the 30s, the older kids always took care of the babies and the younger kids like i think yeah i mean yeah Hmm. i think older siblings took care of younger siblings not like the you know super super but i think and i look and i think this is a very economic issue i think in lower income households that is still the case yeah they're a hundred percent um well it's interesting that you mentioned lower income households because there were really two issues going on in the podcast um because one was the issue of what the football player calls new money. Um, I got the impression they didn't specifically say that they he, that he was poor growing up, but they gave plenty of clues. Mm-hmm. You know, they, he he didn't have a lot of money, and it's almost like his mom looked at him like a winning lottery ticket. And so I wonder how much of a difference there is between what's expected um, from from your kids if you grow up financially secure as opposed to poor. Like, I don't look to my kids for this stuff because I'm financially secure. So I I think that that was a big part of it. You know, all three of us around this table... I, as well as I know you guys, I've never been to either of your houses. But <laughs> Come on I, over. I, but I, I, I feel secure in saying that I think we're all probably upper middle class. So it's a totally different issue for us than, you know, this, like, inner city kid who gets a few, who, who it is wins hitting, the lottery, it is basically. Lottery, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of hard work, but you, and when you're looking at not a lot of opportunity and ways out. Right, mm-hmm. and that's a way out. Sports become a big focus. I mean, sports are their own thing, I think, yeah. because 
it truly is like a lottery, like except with a lot of hard work. Um, but I think sports and music tend to be a big way out for people. Um, and then, but you're right, Andrew, like what you said in the very beginning is most of the time people want to do those things. And I think he did, right? Like he bought his mom a house, he bought her yeah. a car, and then she's like, and now I need a million dollars. Well, that's and the you thing. Wouldn't you, feel like, wouldn't you want, what? like, it's like that, um, oh, I don't that's know, why they all movie. end up bankrupt. Right, right. And they spend all their money. It's like that movie where it's like, I don't want you to do the dinner dishes. I want you to want to do the dinner dishes. Right. Nobody no. wants to do the dishes. <laughs> it's like, wouldn't you as a mother want your son or your daughter to want to help you as opposed to have to? Like, look, my mom, we're helping my mom right now. She had a stroke. And, you know, we're at my sister sat in traffic for hours today going, we do it because we want to. There was no contract with my mother that said, when I turn 90 and I get sick because I raised you as a single mother and I did this and I did that, you owe me. It's it's just kind of a given that this is what we but want to do for But it's not for a lot of families. Not for a lot of families. And I think that that's the key is that it's really individual. I don't think you can say. There are people left out on their own. Yes. And there are also, there's also a big difference between helping out in that way and helping out financially. Mm-hmm. Like, I have no control over how my parents spend their money. If they're being, being irresponsible and then need money later on, like, I'm not going to feel like I owe them that because maybe they, I'm, and, and this is not a real life example. I'm not saying that You're my parents total, are responsible. See, I think you would totally help them. If, like, if you could. I, I feel. I don't think you'd be like, yeah, you made that bed. Have a, have a nice, enjoy your yeah. 80s in the homeless shelter. Like, <laughs> I'll bake for you. I I'll think, bring you bread. <laughs> I think that I would be a lot more likely to help physically than financially if I felt like they had screwed themselves. You know, talking about helping know, financially is always is hard. I think you don't know how you're going to feel until you get there, you know, and I think that. You know, I think that things, you know, the relationship between kids and parents is so complicated, right? Because we all view our our childhood in so many different ways. So you really don't know how you're going to feel till you get there. But I think that, I think that honestly, as a parent, I would want to just know that I've raised a good enough kid who would help me if I needed it. Yeah. That's all. Right. And you that I've raised to, a good moral. Hope that you don't need it. Empathetic child. Yep. Although he's already told me I'm going in a home, so forget it. <laughs> well, then you, it has to be a good home. Like, I that's said, well, goal. I hope you can afford it. Well, <laughs> they, they brought that up on the podcast. One of the, the other, his partner, Stephen Levitt, said um, only one of his daughters has said she changed his diaper. Oh, my yeah. God. I just, <laughs> he's so like, so funny. she's going to get more money. I'm she's the favorite. But they. Um, yeah, so I'm just. I'd love up. to know I what will, people here think about this. I will tell you a story that my grandmother loves to tell, which is she had an uncle who would tell each of the nieces and nephews, "You're my favorite. I'm leaving everything to you. You're my favorite." But they didn't know they were each being told that, and he did it because they would visit him. That is what happened. Oh like they God. were all visiting him all the time, and so it was like always like to each one, so "You're my favorite." He had nothing. He left nothing for ah. no one. And that's um, brilliant, later, though. And she, but she like loves that story because they all fell for it. It. And and it's kind of a bitter old person story. It's sort of like, you know, they only came for the money story. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, brilliant. Um, that 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 is the bottom line, right? Sometimes it just comes down to money instead of hmm. gratitude. Yep. So all right, well, let us know if you're gonna bill your children <laughs> when they're yeah. grown. Um, I do tell my children all the time. So going on your tab. <laughs> like that one. It's usually not money related. It's just usually like, uh, like this morning getting the ripped contact lens out of my daughter's eyeball. Yeah, she owes you um, for that. She owes me. All right. We'll be right back with our Bites of the Week. Bites of the Week. 
Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. Okay, we're back. Amy? Okay. You're first. I, I have two today. Um, my first bite of the week is France. The country. <laughs> the country, not the Epcot Pavilion. No, the country. <laughs> um, because uh, some parents tried to name their child Prince William, and France said no. Awesome. <laughs> France said nah. And so then the parents went back and they said, well, can we name this child Minnie Cooper? And France said no. <laughs> so good on France. Like, it's a law. Like, you can't... Um, you cannot name your child. Were they being paid for it? Like they, who? The parents? Oh, like, like as a yeah, as a brand. No, I think oh, okay. they were just nuts. Um, so France, like, there, you cannot name the child something that will invite mockery for the rest of their lives. I know Germany has some laws like that um, involving gender and stuff. I, I think it's a good idea. I think that sometimes parents need to be saved from themselves and what they will do to their children. Um, so good on France. Uh, my second uh, Prince one, William could have been like a big boon. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, definitely, Prince. definitely better than Minnie Cooper, but yeah. no. Um, the second one is Zendaya. Zendaya Coleman. Yeah. Um, my daughter is a huge Zendaya fan. And so I tend to listen to what Zendaya says because my daughter is listening to what Zendaya says. And Zendaya did a modeling shoot, I think in Mexico, for um, a magazine called Model East Magazine. She was going to be on the cover. She is on the cover. And when she saw the pictures that came out of the shoot after they had been retouched, she was like, no way. Zendaya Coleman is 19 years old and very thin and very fit. And yet the magazine thought that they needed to make her hips even narrower. Oh, her thighs. And make her thighs even smaller. Yeah, that was the most noticeable. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And and they made her bronzed. Yeah, they made her very tan. Um, that one I don't have as much of a problem but with. But it's slimming. But that's it, they do it. Well, that's, that's why I would do it. <laughs> um, but... So she published both pictures side by side and asked the magazine to take her. down the, the the retouched one. And I just think that that's fantastic. That's because, awesome. Yeah, that I mean, is awesome. I mean, look at her on Dancing with the Stars. Her legs go up to her shoulders. I mean, if she needs to be made you, smaller, yeah, why would you have to <laughs> Photoshop someone who all you know? Like, where do you set the standard of what is appropriately to yeah. you know, or or where where you should be? Because as you say, if she's a role model. For your daughter, yeah. girls are looking at that saying, I want to look like that. Yep. And even she doesn't look like that. Nope. Uh, so good for her for speaking for her. up. I think that was really important. Yeah, it's huge. Plus, her, it helps that her first picture was pretty awesome anyway. Yeah, I mean, she, it was <laughs> incredible. It didn't need anything. No. Anyway. That's weird. Okay, so my gadget this week is a new fun thing I'm trying um, because I, I seem to be losing things all the time. So it's called Tile. It's a little teeny tiny... Um, tile. Tile. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a little hole in it so you can hook it onto your keys or you can... It's thin enough that you can put it in your wallet or just stick it in your bag that you carry with you. And um, you track it. So there's an app. Um, what I like about this, it's a new version of the tile. And I like this one better because 
you can ring the tile and it's really loud now. Like it used to be you would ring it and you couldn't hear it because it's buried in the bottom of your bag. So now you can hear it. You can, of course, take a look on a a map on your app and see the last place that that particular thing was. The map is accurate enough. Like it'll show you a map in your house. It will show you where it last was in your, in your, like it'll give you a range, you know, because you, now, but the, the caveat is you have to be in Bluetooth range, right? So you have to be like 30 to 50 feet. But they also have this, community manager thing where say you're in an airport maybe you left it in the you know the airport lounge anyone else who has a tile you use their bluetooth so it becomes like a ping off of all the tiles and people have found luggage you know miles and miles away because it uses the community Bluetooth to kind of hop from location to location. They're about 20 bucks each. Highly recommend trying one. You can get a pack of four or six. You can put them on your kids, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, your pet. But just keep in mind it's Bluetooth range without the community. And uh, worth a try for 20 bucks. I'm enjoying it. That's interesting. It's too yeah. big to like stick on your glasses. Right? You could like not. Glasses <laughs> yeah. People always yeah. You, you would have, it would have to be like a tag hanging it's off. It's funny of the because really someone darkening. has actually created, it was a Kickstarter where they created a thing where you slide onto the temple you know the side of your glasses and it is a tag like where you could physically track your glasses Smart. which is awesome interesting yeah. alright so mine is hyper local so I'm sorry for our non-New York listeners but if Hawaii. you come to New York this will be really helpful for you so you know Uber and Lyft and all these companies have been taking business away from good old yellow taxis um, and in my mind great because I think the taxi industry needed some serious competition. Yeah. But there is an app. I think they did a hackathon, the TLC, the Taxi Limousine Commission. And there's an app called Aero, A-R-R-O, that works with yellow cabs. And it'll show you all the cabs around you and you can hail one from your home, from wherever you are. Really? Yep. It's hmm. amazing. And we did it this morning for my daughter. So instead of standing on the corner hoping right. to see a cab, it actually show you all the cabs. You press, I need one. One will say, I'm on my way. It comes and gets you. And what do they do? Pass up other people on the street yep. hailing a cab? They come right to you. What? And you get in and you put in the little taxi number into your thing and your payment's all synced. Wow. And you know no not way. to pay. You just walk out of the cab wow. when you're done. Oh my done. God, I love and technology. And then you get a receipt. <laughs> it is life-changing because <laughs> there's no surge pricing. There's none of that. And and also, like, if you did want to, like, run out and get a cab, you could see if there are none around you. Well, that's the like, thing. I mean, no again, cabs, growing... Great. Then I am going to do an Uber. Growing up in Manhattan, you know, there were times when you literally could stand there for 20 minutes and not have a cab. Yeah. And if I knew that there were no cab, you know, it's like, oh, one more minute. Right, one's right, going right. to turn the corner any minute to know that, okay, five minutes away, I'll wait. Yeah, because okay. he's going to come get you. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing that's interesting about it is if you hail on the street, so if you don't use it to hail, once you're in the cab, you can still do the same thing. You can look up the number, put in the taxi number, and sync it, and then you don't have to wow. pay when you. I was just going to ask because when I take the sub, I, most of the time when I'm taking a taxi, it's from an airport, so I'm not hailing right. it. I'm in the taxi line, but yep. then I have to like struggle with right. all my stuff and you pay just at the end. Put right. the number in, and it's you walk right out of the cab when you're nice. done. You say how much your tip's going to be, wow. and you're done. And it's um, it's it's just great. So it's A R R O. So there's no W on the end, but it's arrow. Huh. And I highly recommend it. And if you're in New York, check it we'll out. I'll put a link. Yeah, I'll put a link. Um, that's it. Thank you, ladies. Everybody check us out on Facebook.com slash Parenting Bites. On iTunes, Parenting Bites, B-Y-T-E-S. Rate us. Review us. Please subscribe. And, of course, on Play.it, where you can find Parenting Bites and all the other awesome Play.it podcasts. Thanks, Amy. 
Thank you. Thanks. See Andrea. you guys. See ya next week. Bye.